My sister sent me an email uh, last night, actually, that was titled, My Basic Day. Caleb? Now, you need to know something about my sister. Uh, She has eight kids. Six and seven are twins. And uh, she homeschools them all. And my brother-in-law is a teacher, and they, they had a cow for a long time and chickens, so they got a lot going on. And she sent me this to say in the body of the email, she said, can you relate now that you have three kids, that is, we just had a baby, LOL. So I share this just to say, um, we're starting a series today called Overwhelmed. You like that, Steve, huh? All right. My sense is that many of you in this room are feeling overwhelmed with life in this season. You know, there's a reason that expression was developed that you're trying to herd cats, right? Maybe, maybe in this season you're feeling stretched like never before. Maybe it's, it's the coursework at the end of a difficult semester. You know, maybe it's your finances. You're concerned about paying off loans as you near graduation or maybe you're wondering if you're going to have the rent that you need starting, you know, looking towards May 1st. Maybe, maybe in this season of life you're worried about how you're ever going to save for retirement or, you know, your kid's college tuition. Maybe it's just the craziness of having small children. You know, like you feel like all day you are hurting cats. You're, you're going crazy. You're just trying to do everything to, like, stay, stay sane. Maybe, it's a, maybe you're battling an illness, or someone you love even is, is facing death, or a difficult work situation. And in all of this, you're, just, you're supposed to just keep going and maintain normal life, and keep up with all of the things that it takes to be a human being in our society. So the question we're asking in this series, what do we do when we feel overwhelmed by life? What do we do when it feels like we are just treading water and barely keeping our head above the surface? What what do we do when you're just flat out exhausted and you just want to quit? Or Or you want to just roll over and sleep for a month? My sense from the Lord, is that over this next month, he's got something to say about life being overwhelming. And specifically, he wants to change our narrative about that. Whether it's the narrative of, you know, feeling burned out, of feeling like you you can't hack it, I sense that the Lord wants to make a major shift for us in this area. So we're going to start today by looking at a passage in the book of Philippians to hear what the Lord says about this question of feeling overwhelmed. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Philippians chapter 4, and it's also up on the screen. You can read along. So we're going to start in verse 10 of Philippians chapter 4.
I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Now, sorry, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was, it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. So the book of Philippians, this book that Paul writes, is in a lot of ways it's a thank you note. He's thanking the church uh, in this city of Philippi for their financial support that they gave him. Right, they, they sent him some gifts of funds that were really helpful to him, and it, and it sounds like it wasn't the first time that they had done that. And he says, you know, hey, it was kind of you to do this at one point. He rejoices that they, they've recommitted to support him. They're partnering with him, as other churches haven't, he mentions. And so, and so again, he's ready to encourage them in this letter. That's a major theme, and part of that is a thank you note. So, hey, thank you so much for doing this. But what's interesting, in the middle of this thank you note section, he quickly shifts two times. He says, not that I am speaking of being in need, and then not that I seek to gift. Sorry, seek the gift. As if to say, I know God is going to give me what I need. Now I want you to imagine for a second that you're writing a thank you note to someone that's just given you a gift that was very helpful. It'd be a little awkward in the middle of saying thank you to say, hey, thanks so much for the gift really helpful, but you know what? I'm never really in need. God's going to supply everything I need. So if you hadn't given this, God would have taken care of it another way. I'm just glad you did it so you could benefit by investing in the work that I'm doing. To praise God. To be the glory of now and forever. Amen. Right? I mean, that's, that's, that's what's happening here. Now, it's not that Paul is this, is this cocky, you know, pastor, church planner guy, leader. He's using this situation to shift a very common, dare I say, prevalent narrative that is in our culture, but I'm sure is probably in most cultures and sounds like is, in, is, is possibly in this culture as well. He is in some ways dependent upon the generosity of other people in order for him just to sustain his life and his work. But he's still taking the opportunity to say, but I don't look at it the same way that most people look at this. The narrative that he's living in is this. I have learned to be content no matter what because I know that God will supply everything I need. Now we often get pulled into a different narrative in our, that's pervasive in our culture. Right? And that's, that's the narrative of kind of the sob story. 
we live in a culture of complaining. If you, if you haven't encountered this before, or this, this seems like it's difficult to buy, there's a website that I would direct you to. This website called Facebook. On, it, on this website, people post things that are not going well in their life, and they're often very emotional about that. And they want everyone to know how hard their life is. Now for me, right? I mean, yeah, it's easy to, it's easy to complain, right? And we just had a baby, you know, like three weeks ago, and then we had to move this week. It's the fourth time we've moved in a year and a half. We have three kids that are three and under. It's hard to, you know, write a, write a term paper every week and stand up here and deliver it. I don't know. You, I, you go on and on, right? All the things that are, that are tough about my life, and then I remember that my sister has eight kids. It's like the Lord's given me that to say, you don't have anything to complain about. And yet we all know that that's always true, don't we? We always know that there's someone else out there that's got it way worse than we do. And yet, even though I know, okay, I've got three, she's got eight, you know, and like, and yet I still want to push my own feelings of like, this isn't, this isn't fair. This is really difficult. Someone sympathize with me. And of course, you know, there's millions, if not billions of people in this world that have it way more difficult than I do. In terms of the circumstances of life, anyone in the country of Syria, anyone that has fled, right, North Africa and the Middle East, probably majority of people that are in Africa, just given you know, levels of poverty, need, circumstance. So we all know that, right? We all know that there's someone out there that's got it harder than we do. And yet, we're still going to that place of wanting to express how difficult it is for us. What is it that drives us to complain? You know, why do we often want to share how hard things are for us? So let me just say, there's a few things in my mind that are going on here. Now the baseline is, in a lot of ways, we want to be known, and that is good. And we want to be real with other people, and that is good. We want to connect with other people and share this experience. We want to get real often with them and say, you know, hey, this is what's going on in my life. This is very difficult. I'm not saying that that's bad. Right? We want people, when we're facing challenges in our life, we want others to share it with us, to carry with us, to cry with us, to laugh with us, to cringe with us. Right, But somehow, and I think we know often in our life, there is a line that we cross that when it turns from getting real with someone else to complaining. And it's, 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 it's not something you can always measure as much as you, it's something that I think we all can feel. When you read that Facebook update, oftentimes you can feel what the narrative is that is behind the video, the message, the picture that's being shared about something that's difficult. You know, the attitude of, well, you think your life stinks, listen to this. There's something there that is, 